Hi, this is Honor, and you're listening to Strategy and Sourdough. In this episode, we talk about brand strategy and what it means for startups to start investing in building their brands. It turns out today is the 10th anniversary of How Brands Grow by Byron Sharp. Interesting. So I was listening to a podcast this morning by uh, Byron Sharp, and he was talking about how they um, ended up writing a book. It was not their intention in the first place. It just so happened that uh, some of their clients that work with Erringer Bass Institute uh, asked them to publish their findings on some of the work that they have done. And it had to be credible, so they went to Oxford Uh, university press if I'm remembering correctly and they ended up publishing their findings and they couldn't even get into the big big uh, bookstores because it required a lot of funding and they didn't have budget to market the book in the first place so for a long time it became like a really obscure academic book and started gaining traction slowly and now as we all know it's one of the Bibles in modern marketing but yeah let's let's talk about uh, brand strategy I know you have strong opinions about um, brands specifically in the context of startups. So maybe it's a good idea to start with, like, what does a brand mean for a startup? Because I don't think startups, when they when they start their journey, they don't really think about, oh, how am I going to build a brand? They're more like, how am I going to survive today? Yeah, for, for sure. And I think a lot of the discussions I have, um, unfortunately, I think far too often brand is kind of relegated to being the visual part of your company or a logo, if you will. You know, you have somebody design a beautiful logo and choose some colors and fonts. And that is the, the context of what the brand really is. And um, and I just don't fundamentally think that's how startups and companies should approach branding. I think for me, branding comes from the associations about the company, the stories of the founders, the perceived value that you have. Um, and, and all of those things that are kind of intangible, which makes brand kind of difficult Um, and often takes quite a few sort of questions, quite a few observations and quite a few conversations to, to start uncovering those things that a company really stands for, which ultimately then becomes the brand of, of that company. I think as many marketers there are, um, there's equal equal number of definitions of what a brand is. I mean, to me, brand, uh, everything that encompasses what's on the consumer minds about a specific uh, product or a company that allows the company to charge a premium on top of the commoditized uh, value of that product. But how much can you control that, do you think? Do you think companies can actively construct or design uh, that perception of what their company stands for? Or it just happens and the companies or startups don't really have a lot of control on it? Well, that, this is actually exactly why I think it's very important to think about your brand more strategically early on, because where, where else would the association about your company come from except all the things that your company does, right? So mm-hmm. the, way that we, the way that we build our image about a company and the way that we build our opinions about a particular brand comes from not just what the brand says, but what they do, right? If you're, if you're a digital business, the way that your app and your website comes to life and the way you talk about your products, the way your product is designed, the colors you've chosen to use, the taglines and the marketing efforts, everything that you say and do 
essentially becomes your, your brand over time. So if you are a little more strategic earlier on when you start designing what you want to stand for, it enables you to do all those things. It enables you not only to do your performance marketing and perhaps your brand marketing, but also design your products and your customer service and everything around it to stand for something. And I think that fundamentally creates that um, competitive advantage that not a lot of early stage companies necessarily consider and think about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's say for the sake of argument that I'm a, uh, I'm starting a new company and uh, my perception of brand is that logo. So I went ahead and hired a designer and designed for what I think is a fantastic logo and a cool name. And somehow validated my product idea as well. And um, okay, it started generating a bit of revenue. How do I how do I even begin to think strategically about my brand in the first place? What are the steps that I need to take? In, in the earlier stages of companies, uh, the way that I usually try and uncover this is, is start asking companies the why question, right? And this, this is, you know, it's, it's not a new model, of course. It's quite a commonly used model, and Simon Sinek uses this quite a lot as well. Um, a lot of companies know, um, or most companies should know what they do. A lot of companies know how they do it. Very, very few companies have thought about, you know, why they do certain things. And often, to me, that comes from the founder stories. You know, there's a lot of reasons why why people start a company. And of course, you know, the reason that I'm talking about shouldn't be, well, we want to make a lot of money or anything like that. There's, there's always a story behind why a company started. And that's usually a very, very good starting point um, as to starting to uncover what, you know, the business that was started stands for and why does it stand for certain things. Um, and I find that an interesting part to talk about the, the founder stories themselves and start uncovering those motivations that they come to work every day. Why do they hire certain people into the businesses and really start going under the skin of why, um, why certain choices have been made, for example, in, in what kinds of products they bring to market. So that's a good starting point to me in starting to uncover how it comes to life. And then the articulation of design of it is actually an outcome of the stories you uncover. Hmm. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate here. What's wrong with starting a business just for making money? I don't have any motivation for um, um, saving the world or making the world a better place. I just want to make money. So how do I go about thinking about brand in this case? Yeah, I don't necessarily mean that these stories should always necessarily have like a saving the world purpose behind it, right? And, but that's what we learned you know, from Silicon Valley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we certainly did. But, you know, um, I'll use an example, right? I, I was working for um, or I was advising a company in Singapore that uh, started a robo-advisory, essentially. One of the early robo-advisories that proved a product had paying customers and, and all that kind of stuff. And in that stage, when we started working with the founders on starting to really uncover why they started the business. And yeah, I mean, they, they wanted to build a successful business. They wanted it to be commercially successful and they had a motivation of making money through it, sure. But ultimately the way we, uh, the why, why they had actually started that business was that they both, both worked in finance and they saw how complicated a lot of the investment products out there were. And the everyday person, you know, when they were start talking to their own uh, family members and friends and, and people that, uh, that were in their circles, they didn't fundamentally understand how some of these products worked. And the perception of a lot of people was that you need a lot of money to get started when you want to invest. So they started that business because they actually genuinely wanted to create a product that anybody can use. So that became really the, the fundamental story behind that brand became this sort of 
narrative around anyone can be an investor. And if you have that as your brand starting point, it doesn't just become a marketing tagline. It actually becomes the way that you design the product itself um, mm-hmm. to be so simple that literally it has to pass the test that anybody you pull from the streets or anybody you um, interview can use the product. So uncovering the stories of, of why a company was started doesn't always need a life-changing rationale behind it, but there's usually a story as to what sparked these founders in, in actually creating something. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and to paraphrase, having or really understanding the story behind why your company exists almost becomes like a north star in how you go about designing the rest of your company's operations whether they are how you talk to customers or how you interact with them or how you set your pricing or which kind of distribution channels that you use and so on yes absolutely and at rga we talk about this notion of an active purpose so the stories that you have as founders, the stories that your company is based on um, can, can sort of come to life in this articulation of what we call an active purpose. So active purpose for the reasons of actually using an active language to, um, to describe the, the reason for being for your company. And that active purpose can very quickly then become one of the filters that you put your products through that you design, one of the filters that you put your services through that you might design. One of the filters of your operations. So what kind of supply chain are you using? What kinds of partners you're using? Does that ladder up to the purpose of the business? Um, and then it really goes down from there. And, and, and ultimately, uh, when you have your business operations, when you have your financial model, when you have your pricing, when you have your product design, your customer service, all of that ladders up to something greater Then, to your earlier point on or when you were talking about um, you know, how do I know, how do I know how a customer builds an image of my company? Well, you know that if you, if you purpose design all parts of your business, not just your marketing based on something greater, some, some kind of a purpose that you got, everything ladders up to. So brand actually be- becomes a decision ma- making tool for designing your business rather than just designing your marketing. So let me challenge that for a second, right? When you talk about brand purpose, if I decide to launch a um, um, soap. My purpose is to sell soap so that people can wash their hands. Do I really need to phrase it in an emotional, um, life-saving purpose? Or can I just have a very simplistic and functional purpose that's essentially selling soaps that people so that people can wash their hands? Or to ask the question in a different way, does every company need to have a higher purpose to build a successful brand? Well, I have a counter question then right away, which is if you don't have anything, anything that your company stands for in today's world, do you think you're going to sell any soap against these major companies that perhaps have one or perhaps already own the distribution channels and the marketing and the mind shares or, or the shelf space of companies? That, that's the question, right? I, yeah. I mean, I go to, I'll use a very cliche example, right? Um, Dollar Shave Club, right? They have a pretty sort of, they, the business was built on something pretty cool. I mean, there's a service innovation there too. It was one of the first companies to, to be able to, uh, where you could buy a subscription service basically and really built on that insight around, around men who are just too lazy to go and buy new razor blades. But if you, if you get them delivered every, every month or every week, then, you know, um, it, it works out well. But I mean, their company was built on something genuinely different and, and some kind of a, a genuinely different model. Um, and that disrupted that market really interestingly. So if, you, if you're doing something like selling soap, 
And if that if you have a, a category that's not so easy to do service innovation on, for example, then one of the ways to differentiate is to have a company that genuinely has some kind of a purpose on what it was built for. And therefore, everything about that company is designed accordingly, which gives you that advantage, at least for some consumers um, that may, may decide to buy from you rather than the, all the other companies that already exist. So does this mean that which category that you are in is not necessarily um, uh, important in the context of having a purpose or uh, defining a brand? Yeah, I would say so, actually. I, I mean, I think there are I find all, it difficult for to people be... to feel passionate or purposeful about enterprise ERP software, for example. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. I've met some <laughs> super passionate people that have started some pretty um, um, interesting enterprise uh, software companies. But um, I mean, I, I think there, there are always, always going to be categories that uh, more naturally lend themselves for this, of course, you know. I mean, you can always use a Nike, for example. There's going to be people who are super passionate about that brand and that purpose, you know, um, more naturally because it's something that they sell basically apparel about about things that you might be passionate inherently anyway, whether it's running or or you know whatever it is. And there are always going to be sort of categories that are more more low interest. And I'm not saying that having a, an active purpose or having a well designed brand is, uh, is is necessary for business success. What I am saying though is. If you have one, is it gonna is it gonna provide a competitive advantage for your business? I hundred percent fundamentally believe it will. And mm -hmm. the earlier you do that, um, and the earlier you establish that purpose at the heart of the business decisions as well as the marketing decisions that you make, um, the more comprehensive in today's world your brand becomes, and the more you represent what you what that company was started for, and therefore more um, that sort of price premium, if you will, or whatever the other advantages that you're looking for, it becomes more more easy for you to achieve, I think. Mm -hmm. It's it's very interesting because on one hand, I'm very tempted to agree with you. On the other hand, if I go down the path of Byron Sharp and um, Erringer Bass Institute, their essential argument that a brand is something that's available in your mind and physically available in the store. So as long as it catches my attention, and if I can recall that logo or color or uh, mark later, I'm more likely to buy that. So I don't really need to feel an emotional connection with that particular product or business in order to make buying decisions later because it's just a shortcut. So it's almost like taking advantage of how your mind and your memory works. Whereas on the other hand, we are saying that if you in if you infuse your company with that purpose and if you make sure that uh, comes across, the consumers are much more likely to buy your product or service. So let's take this in the context of something that I've been working on uh, with uh, uh, um, coffee roastery in Brooklyn. And I find the topic very interesting because of all the things that you could describe as a commodity, coffee is definitely high up there because it ranges from anything from $6 cups at your third wave specialty coffee store to buying in bulk at Walmart. So how do you differentiate coffee and specifically um, artisanal or roastery coffee, right? So we had quite a few conversations and just like you said, it came down to the passion that the founders have put into it and the passion represents itself in that they went into this business in order to establish good relationships directly with the farmers and they genuinely care about how the farmers 
live their lives and produce good quality coffee beans in the first place. And it manifests itself in how much effort they put into the quality. And that someone who's interested in coffee, it, it, it uh, speaks to me. So I'm much more likely to buy that. But um, I guess where I'm struggling is to find it or make it generally applicable to any industry and any specific brand. Because uh, if I, again, take the counter argument, I would argue that, yeah, there will always be a small, special group of people who are likely to buy your coffee because they can really believe in your brand story and um, it resonates with them. But then there's a whole bunch of people who will just buy coffee because it's available at Walmart and it's easily accessible and they have a, a chance of uh, becoming bigger brands purely by virtue of selling more coffee beans in the first place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, I think we have to keep in mind that very few companies will, will ever be able to attract every single, you know, a consumer or every type of consumer out there or even customer if you're talking about B2B. And I think one of the key things about purpose um, and, and having a well-defined thing that you believe in, it actually can make it sharper for you to kind of understand who you're talking to as well. Especially if you're an earlier stage company and your marketing funds are limited, your story can really become a bit of a multiplier, actually, because when you find that passionate group of people who are like-minded and actually believe in the mission that you've set, set yourself up for and believe in your purpose, and if you've managed to articulate that purpose in an interesting way and design a product that matches that, you know, they'll become very active advocates of your business. And with limited marketing funds up front, if you can get that going and if you can get those people to talk about your business um, and really get that sort of, I guess, word-of-mouth machine going, you're, you're going to have, again, this sort of um, um, unfair advantage, if you will, um, uh, going. And the other thing also is that um, I don't disagree with the, the, the fact that the mental, mental associations with the brand, when you have that need, will resonate and will connect. But ultimately, then, where do those mental associations come from? Like, if you, if you happen to be at a retail store and you're, you, you've got a particular aisle of the products that you know you need right now, what makes you pick that product over the other one? If you look at toothpaste, there's always going to be three or four or five different brands in there. If you go to a sports store, there's always going to be a couple of different brands of sneakers. Historically, that has do... been advertising, right? Yeah, exactly. But in today's world, I mean, advertising and, and, and all of that comes in different shapes and forms, right? In the past, advertising used to be more about you reading, listening, uh, or watching something. Um, but now in today's world, with especially the technology habits, and a lot of the companies that we often advise have some kind of um, a digital component to a part of their business. The different behaviors we have today actually come to life from, you know, things that my friends share with me or things that I interact with in different channels. And what better way to get people to interact is when, when I find something that I think, oh, this is a great idea, actually, and I'm going to share this with the 20 or 30 people that I think will find that interesting. I think that's mm -hmm. far more valuable in today's world than many other things that you can do in marketing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about putting this into um, actionable advice for uh, listeners who are in startups or founders in startups or maybe uh, doing marketing startups. Let's say I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about marketing and now I am convinced that I need to start investing in uh, building my brand. How do I even go about doing that? For the sake of argument, do I go and uh, hire an agency and task them 
with, hey, go ahead and build my brand? Or do I start doing something differently when it comes to uh, marketing? Um, how do I even start planning this? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think fundamentally it helps getting getting an outside perspective. Uh, so whether it's an agency or whether it's um, a consultant or whether it's somebody who, who can provide a perspective, I think it helps uncover some of those stories. But I fundamentally think the easiest way or the fastest way to, to start uncovering the stories is, you know, um, sit down with early employees, sit down with the founders and start asking the why question. Mm-hmm. Why did we start this company? Why did we fundamentally believe that we would be successful? Um, and where do we come from as, as people and as professionals? Because that's going to start uncovering um, some of those things. I still think the best brand articulations and the best active purposes fundamentally come from pretty deep inside of the businesses themselves. You can't make it up because people will, will smell that pretty quickly these days and you get called out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those things will come from, you don't have to make it up basically. The articulation of how beautiful your words are and how it's designed and all that, that requires a lot of craftsmanship and you perhaps definitely going to need some some outside help there. But I think the actual strategy of what does our company really fundamentally stand for can come from, from discussions between founders asking the why question. And mm-hmm. then ultimately, the, the two things that matter early on is what do we say as a business? What do we say as a company um, based on that uh, belief? And then what do we do as a company? So as we start creating our products and yeah, and things like that, you know, getting them to ladder up to that belief system, whether it's articulated perfectly or not, would be mm-hmm. a great starting point, in my opinion, for companies as early as, you know, pre-seed. Let me ask a few more uh, rapid fire questions. So uh, what should be my time frame if I'm even thinking of building my brand? Do I think of it as a monthly or quarterly or annual exercise or should I have a much longer time period? I think you do it once. Fundamentally, the, what your company stands for um, is, a, is a really long-term um, mm-hmm. exercise. The way that that comes to life in a marketing campaign or something like that can be refreshed more often. Um, and the way the articulation of that comes. But if we think about brand more strategically, it has to be a longer-term thing that everything ladder is up to. Because if you build your products and services on this belief, and fundamentally, they have to ladder up. And if you make your um, sourcing decisions and your partnership decisions and everything on that, you definitely can't change that every month, you know, and uh, brands are also built over time. Associations are built over time, right? Mm-hmm. So let me tell you, uh, 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 this is a real problem that exists, not just in startups, but also in very big companies. I strongly believe that we need to invest more time and effort in building our brand. And I've gone through the exercise of articulating what we stand for as a company. But my CEO does not believe that we should waste time with all this nonsense and we should just do more growth hacking and performance marketing. How do I go about convincing the people in my company that this is something that we need to take seriously? Well, first of all, I think the, the performance marketing side of things is still equally important in the business. You have to have the short cycles and you have to have the, you know, the, the sort of catch-all um, you know, parts of your business and parts of your marketing in there so that the more people know about you, you already have the machine going, if you will, in converting more and more people. But I think the, the, the good way to kind of talk about this is uh, while performance marketing catches people who are perhaps in the need of your products right now, for example, longer-term brand building builds over time 
um, or expands the net of possibility for your company. Mm-hmm. Um, and the long-term effects on brand. First of all, there's multiple studies on it um, on this, so we, we know that long-term sort of marketing um, effectiveness is definitely there with with brand building and all that stuff. But ultimately, over time, the the, the size of your audience will will grow, and your growth hacking and your performance marketing efforts will actually be more successful as a result of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think you need you need both of those things to succeed in today's world. Um. Let's talk a little bit about um, things that inspire you. If I want to learn more about uh, brand building, are there any books or resources or uh, even blogs and podcasts that you would recommend? There's one book that I've, I read almost every year, actually. Um, and I read it for the first time when I was working as a valet parking assistant in, in the U.S. when I was in college. And uh, I used to pick that up books. That sounds like a great today. story. It, it is. It was... Uh, we're working during the day shift um, at one of the streets in West Palm Beach in Florida, actually. And um, the day shift was not usually the most hectic. So I would always go to um, remember those uh, physical places you walked into and actually picked books. I think they were called bookstores or something, you know, the physical Vaguely. bookstores. It's a bit blurred. Vaguely yeah. remember that concept. So you would yeah. actually walk into this building and you'd pick a book that you might like and you read the back covers of them and, um, and see the covers and stuff like that in books. So uh, I, I used to always buy a book uh, from there. I was a student, so I didn't have a lot of money, but I, I pretty quickly start going through a lot of the usual classics. So one, one day I, poked, uh, I picked a book, um, which is um, called The Wizard of Ads. And it's written by this guy called Roy H. Williams. So Roy H. Williams is actually a marketing and an advertising consultant and a believer in stories and a believer on storytelling. And he actually believes in the fundamentals of, of advertising and persuasion. It's a book that very few people have, have heard about, actually. But ultimately what it is, it's 100 short stories about things that he sent his clients over the years. They're provocative mm. letters. They're questions um, about why certain things in marketing should and shouldn't be done. This book is at least 20 years old now, at least, if not more than that. And still, I've actually read it now during the lockdowns again uh, this year. And I fundamentally stand by a lot of the, the, the things that he talks about there. And I actually think that would be a fantastic starting point for any startup founder, any early stage company builder today, because it talks about life, it talks about business, and it talks about marketing. And those fundamentals are just amazing. Going back to the basics and on, on how a lot of this persuasion um, happens. So I would highly recommend picking up that book. Sounds awesome. We'll definitely add that in the show notes and I'll make sure to pick up a copy, probably not a physical copy, but... Um... One of my favorite books, I actually uh, had one, but I lost it, so I ordered it again. Um, it's uh, Ogilvy on advertising. It's, again, I think close to 20 years old or maybe even older. Um, and it's one of the best books on uh, advertising, and it's still so relevant after so many years. And another favorite book uh, of mine is How Brands Grow by Byron Shaw. We talked about it today. It's It's... It's not a fun read. It's it's quite dry and very scientific, but it was one of those books that really challenged my pre-existing notions about how marketing and brand building works. And I feel like those are the kind of books that you need, not just the ones that tell you things that you know in more articulate ways, but also the ones that challenge your uh, notions and forces you to think a little bit differently. 
Well, this was great. Thank you so much. I think the, what we should do in the next session is go a little bit deeper into the execution side of things and maybe start by taking the brand strategy and how it comes to life. And also talk a little bit about what we mean by strategy, another big topic. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of things that we've done both in our professional backgrounds and as startup advisors that we can bring some actionable points around. So let's definitely talk about that in our next session. Thank you. Thanks a lot for Wonderful. the chat today. Awesome. Thanks, Mr. Thomas. Thank you, Mr. Honor.